The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We've got the day after crew. And why do you ask do we have the day after crew on a random January? Because there is no off season. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Day after crew comes big news. That means Jason Staples in the house, Buck Sanders in the house. Buck, I'll come to you first. I sense a bit of foreshadowing a couple of days ago in the Buck Stops Here column. Uh, Gene Chiswick and Charlton Warren back in Chapel Hill as uh, the bastions of the defense to get this defense back on track. Chiswick, of course, defensive coordinator, Warren, co defensive coordinator, and safeties coach and I believe assistant head coach for defense for Chiswick let me get the title correct Buck tell me what you think well I think there's like three or four different uh takeaways immediately um one is that I think it's fair uh for not everybody to be thrilled with the idea um because for a lot of people including me uh, I thought uh, Chiswick's defense, defenses at North Carolina were a bit on the passive side to understate things. Uh, now, how much, if any, is that going to change from uh, 2016 to 2022? Um, there's several factors there in play. For example, the talent on the team. There were on uh, last year's team. Now they haven't come out with the numbers yet, but on last year's team, team talent on the twenty-four-seven composite, they had twenty-seven four-stars and two five-stars on North Carolina's football team. In twenty-sixteen, when Gene Chizik was here, they had no five-stars and nine four-stars. So he's got three times the amount of talent in theory, um, than he had on, well, that's overall team, but I'm guessing that probably splits pretty evenly. Um, so he's got a lot more talent and we know that. So how will that change strategically how he approaches games? Um, some little none, we don't know. 
also he spent five years um doing broadcasts for c uh, sec and we've talked a lot about how uh, max thinking about uh college football game strategies changed a great deal from the time he left texas uh to the time he rejoined the tar heels in 2019 he has seen a lot talked to a lot of uh coaches gotten a lot of different ideas how much is that going to impact gene chizik we don't know um and we may not know until they take the field uh next fall i mean he can say all the right things but we're not going to know until we know um so there's that and there there's one more factor that not many people are talking about is pretty big if you think about it uh in 19 i mean sorry 2015 uh when Chiswick took over the UNC football program, North Carolina ranked 128th out of 128 teams in the number of plays run against them by opposing offenses. They averaged 84 plays a game that uh, opponents were running on North Carolina, worst in the or the most in the uh, FBS at the time. That's a lot of plays. That's like a game and a half, two games, more snaps, counting the snaps than an average team or a really good defense or really good, uh, or a team that slows the ball down. It's not a tempo team. They're going to run maybe 65 or sometimes some even less than 60 plays a game opponents will against North Carolina, it was 84. So there was a lot more opportunity for offenses to rack up yards and uh, everything else against the North Carolina defense in 2015 than they are currently under Mac Brown. He's not, his teams are not averaging nearly as many plays uh, by their opponents. It's about, and, and inter- put it in a different uh, framework as far as, time of possession, um, Gene Chizik's team's defenses were on the field about 10 minutes longer per game on average uh, than the opposing defense. It was, they averaged about 25 minutes a game, time of possession under Fedora. And so that meant the other offense was on the field 35 minutes and so was UNC's defense. So under Mac, it's been about 30, 30, he's, he's been about 30 minutes on the field, uh, for his defense, 30 minutes for his offense. So he's going to be, his defense is going to have to be on the field a lot less time, defend fewer plays, and he's going to have more talent to do it with. So. What are we going to see from Gene Chizik? Is any of that going to impact his uh, core strategy? Um, I think immediately we can say he's not going to run a 4-3 while he's at North Carolina. He's going to, worst case, run a 4-2-5 because you can't run a 4-3 anymore uh, in college football because of the spread. So there's going to be some changes. We'll see. Uh, how much that will impact Chizik's thinking, we don't know. I think he's extremely detail oriented. Um, he pays it 
close attention to everything that's going on. He makes lists about lists. Um, he's, uh, so detail oriented that, uh, I think that probably has a calming effect on a, on a defense it keeps them from getting overly, um, excited. I guess it's a word to use. Anyway, it'll be interesting to watch. Charlton Warren is a great hire. I think he'll really help out with the safeties, which I think has been a, um, the general consensus is safety play has not been great in the last three years. Um, the fact that he's not going to be coaching a position, I think is a good thing. Um, I don't think it makes sense to have a defensive coordinator in this day and age also, uh, coaching a position group. How will it all work out? We don't know. Um, so, but uh, I, I think if you were to evaluate it in terms of is Chiswick slash Warren an upgrade over Bateman slash DeWitt, you'd probably come out on the Chiswick Warren side of things. Yeah, it's, um, I think that's a key point. Jason, something else um, wrapped in everything Buck was saying is credibility, I think. And you know, I don't want to speculate on what went on the last three years, but um, one thing I, I can say with, I believe, certainty is that Chiswick comes in with credibility that he has accomplished things as a defensive coordinator, as a coach. Um, now, we can argue to the level of what he's accomplished, but he's been around. He's done it on the biggest stage and on the highest level, and I thought that was huge and very important for a hire. Charlton Warren as well. Um, I, I think his stint as defensive coordinator in Indiana, not good. Um, but his ability to coach safeties, I think, is a definite upgrade for North Carolina. So the question I have for you, Jason, is, is this an upgrade for North Carolina? And is there some value um, to Chiswick having been out of the game for a while, like Mac was before he came back? A lot of people say, this man, they've dusted this man off the – dusting the dust off of him because he's been on the shelf for five years. Well <laughs> – Explain to us why that's a good and possibly a bad thing for North Carolina. Well, is it an upgrade? Um, I don't think so. Uh, to be blunt, I, I don't think it's an upgrade. Um, it might be, I mean, it might be the right change in terms of getting more, uni uh, more, a more unified message to the players and having uh, a clearer sense across the, on that side of the ball, a, a clearer sense of leadership and, you know, who's the boss and all of these things, you know, that part might be, might be straightened out more. Uh, you know, as Buck said, the credibility factor here is, is probably the big, the biggest piece uh, coming in and, and again, being able to flash a national championship ring Uh you know, doing different, you know, different things that, that just a different voice, as we've talked about the, the biggest problem that they've had is buy-in and having a very clear, uh, unified vision that all these players have bought into and are, are, are playing like their hair's on fire. Whoever can get that done, is going to get a better, uh, going to get a better defensive, uh, performance than what Carolina got the last couple of years. 
but I still think that's more systemic across both sides of the ball than it is on the defense. You're just going to have to find somebody on the defensive side that can do it. Can just, can Chizik do that? Well, I think we saw that when he came to Chapel Hill before he got guys to buy into what he was selling. So if he can do that again, then you're going to see improvement. But as far as an upgrade, I don't, I don't think that, that this exchange of coaches is, is what I would call, you know, a clear upgrade, you know, that you're exchanging, you know, one guy uh, who, you know, doesn't, uh, doesn't, isn't as good a coordinator for another guy who's a way better coordinator, whatever. I I just don't think that that's, uh, that's what you, what you see here. I do think that the exchange of, uh, of DeWitt for, for Charlton is, is, is probably a, 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 an upgrade. Uh, because I, I felt this year that the edge guys were not um, that there were some fundamental concerns that I had with some, with some of what I saw from the edge. Uh, and I, I highlighted, you know, one of them in my end of end of season uh, in, in one of the th- last three videos talking about the, uh, the, the, uh, the bowl game that, you know, you could see just basic fundamentals from Des Evans, just the stuff that you should be working on every day, which is your second step uh, off the line of scrimmage. He's getting pushed around. I mean, just getting blown off the ball because his, he, he tap danced with his, with his first step, you know, one, two with the same, same foot. And then instead of being near leg, near shoulder, he's opposite leg near shoulder. And you're going to get pushed around bad doing that. And you saw that stuff all year. And there are certain things from the edge guys that, you know, you just didn't get. So, you know, it appears that they're going to have cross coach in the whole front, which, you know, when they, when they said they were letting DeWitt go because they were making structural changes to the def- anticipated structural changes, to the defense, uh, you know, you guys know that I immediately chimed in on the, uh, on the Slack chat saying, well, that means they're going to a primarily even front, uh, which then allows, cross to, to coach all of them uh, across the across the front so uh, you know your, your defensive tackles and defensive ends you know the outside linebackers are suddenly going to be called defensive ends and people will be talking about how they're not playing out of position now because they're not linebackers well they weren't linebackers before either <laughs> they were defensive ends they were just called outside linebackers in that scheme uh, but basically now you're going to have the, the same guy coaching all four uh, you know, as long as, as those edge guys get an upgrade in terms of being demanded to, to do some things better fundamentally, then I think that will help the defense on, on its own. So, you know, that's, that's maybe where you're going to get the biggest upgrade coaching wise. As far as, you know, dusting a guy off the shelf, you know, five years off. I mean, that's a long time to be out. I mean, it is. Uh, and my impression just as a, as, a, as, a, as a teacher at the college level is that I've observed sort of a surprising difference in students across the board in 2021 compared to, you know, I haven't gotten them in 2022 yet, but compared to, you know, up to, compared to 2015, 2016. So that might be interesting. I mean, he, he has not dealt with some of the students. I, I think certain certain factors, you know, dealing with social media and some other things have have 
changed the ethos of certain things that you deal with with students that age that'll that'll be something he's going to have to get accustomed to uh that you know when you're when you're in it a little bit more maybe you're maybe you're more accustomed to that i'll be interested in seeing that um and you know i think the benefit of being in television and and doing what he was doing the last few years is that you get to kind of study what everybody's doing you get to look at at that stuff and you know with working for the sec network he's got access to basically all the sec film on all 22 and he's able to look at all that and look at what people are doing and look at where the cutting edge of the game is so that can help uh but you know ultimately you, you kind of tend to run what you run so i mean the credibility piece is big the organization aspect is huge the hopefully having everything in a unified this is how it's going to be and being able to to uh to get players to buy in is the piece that matters most and can they get a little bit better in terms of uh of fundamentals up front those are the pieces that you're looking at uh i would also i also hope i mean you guys know in 2016 chizik was not exactly um an 80 hour a week guy and I want to make, I want to know for sure that this time around, you know, obviously his kids have graduated and some of the reasons that he was uh, not always uh, putting in the hours uh, that those things have, have been resolved in that regard. And that he is going to be able to, to uh, put in the kind of attention that is that's going to be necessary to get some things turned around. So I think there are some definite questions with this hire, but at the same point, he's a guy that has had success, the organization and, and unif unified vision that they, if they can project that and get guys to buy in, we're going to see an instant change. It, there, there's just, there's possibilities here, but it's not a guaranteed like, Oh man, they just clearly upgraded and this is going to be, night and day difference and, you know, expect a top 10 defense with the talent they have. I mean, I just don't think it's, it's, it's quite so easy. But one of the things that Jason mentioned there uh, towards the end and, and it's the aspect that I think is probably the most important is the, the unity and the all on the same page deal um, that this hire could do um, the buy-in the, the non-scheme stuff that um, I think has been lacking for this team at least the past year. Um, your take on Chizik's ability, the credibility, um, and Warren as well, and also the other coaches that are still on the staff. I mean, everybody has to come together. Dre Bly put out a tweet talking about how he's happy that they're coming back and all that. But this, this is, like Jason said, not just a cut-and-dried home run on the field yet, but it seems to me like the pieces are moving towards more towards that than they have been. Well, uh, probably at near the end of the season and ever since then, the word I've heard most often from you and Taylor Vipolis and other people and, um, need some extent, Jason, um, is culture change that there needs to be a change in the culture at UNC. And here's the other point of that is that 
last time Chiswick was here, he came in under very similar circumstances. They just got trucked by Rutgers at the quick lane bowl in Detroit. They had limp to a six and seven season. And there was, we haven't has it surfaced publicly, but in 2014, it kind of did that. There was some, uh, finger pointing in a locker room. Uh, the, uh, the offense was suing the defense for non-support. Um, there was a, a little bit of a fracture, uh, team in 2014 when Chizik came in. And if you talk to the guys that were around at the time, when Chizik came in, he completely changed that on the defensive side of the ball that just kind of like went away right away. Um, and hopefully, and not to let the cat out of the bag too much, but in the next few days, we hope to have Shaq Rashad on, um, to talk about, uh, Gene Chizik and what he thought he meant, you know, Shaq's a pretty smart guy. And, um, you know, the, the backstory is basically that, uh, when Chizik came in, his, his presence, his demeanor, his, uh, credibility, which is what your question really spoke to immediately calmed the waters on the defensive side of the ball. And it was just, Hey, we got to pay attention to detail. Uh, we got to get things right on the defensive side of the ball and focus the entire defense into that, uh, mindset. And for the 2015 season, if you look at that season as a whole, uh, the offense was spectacular with Mark Quise Williams and Elijah hood, Logan, all those guys, Ryan Switzer, no question, but like seven of those games in the 2015 season, they held opponents to well under 20 points a game. In fact, for the 12 game season, um, they would, they only averaged giving up 20 points a game. It was only when they played Clemson and Baylor that you know, the stats got shot up, uh, at the end of the year, they gave up like 350 yards a game and 20 points. Um, uh, now that wasn't against the greatest competition in the world to be fair. Uh, they didn't have a hard schedule at all that year, arguably one or softer schedules, but still, uh, even in 2015, 20 points a game and 350 yards a game is pretty good. So, um, I think probably the biggest change that, and one that, that, uh, coach Brown is probably hoping for, and you, Tommy Ashley is hoping for, and other people connected with, uh, UNC football is, uh, a culture change on the defensive side of the ball. And I think you'll see that. I think as far as buy-in goes, I don't think that'll be hard for somebody like Chiswick. If you've ever talked to him one-on-one, -on -one, um, which I did a couple of times when he was coaching here before, um, a very impressive individual. He, he says what he means. He means what he says, not a lot of fluff there. Um, he doesn't, uh, distract you or try to distract you with a look at this shiny object over here. Or, uh, he just kind of tells it how it is. So, um, I don't think it'll be any trouble for him to get by in. And the fact that he and Mac Brown did win a national championship. Well, when Mac was a head coach and Chiswick was a DC, that's a selling point to get people to buy in as well. So, um, credibility. Yes. Buy in. Yes. Um, 
and culture change on the defensive side of the ball, at least. I think Chiswick is going to address those things in to one degree or another. Yeah, I, I, those are the big things for me. I've said all along, if they just play hard and consistent for 60 minutes, they, they'd have been significantly better this year. Um, and we wouldn't I can tell you they wouldn't have lost the NC State game if, if he'd have been the defensive coordinator. I mean – no chance they'd have lost the NC State game. I don't think there's any chance they lose seven games this year just with those things. And I'm not even talking about actual nuts and bolts on the field. It's just play hard, uh, buy in, and all that stuff. So, Jason, let's add, let's talk a little bit about um, what Chizik brings to the table. I, I mean, we we talked on the Slack channel before we got together. You, you don't have to review a ton of tape because there's already a ton of tape in Chiswick at Carolina, but that evolved with the five-year difference and the talent difference at Carolina. What do you expect to see, um, or what could we expect to see actually on the field um, laid out for this defense? It just, it just seemed way too complicated. And I know you said it was simple last year, but when you got one or two guys that are off the same page or are reading from another book, I'm, you know, put it on the players. But when everybody is, that's difficult for me to accept that it's just all the players. But anyway, I digress. Well, I've like, never said it was all the players. Let's be let's be very clear about that. I well, you said, said it was, was very all the, simple. All the yeah, the defense was, was simple. I mean, it's not like they were asking them to do rocket science here. They were asking them to play simple Rip Liz. I mean, that, that they, they played Rip Liz a lot last year, which is basically the single safety coverage that and, and, and defensive look that everybody in the country runs. If, you know, it, it's the base defense for uh, for what Georgia's been doing all year. And it's a, you know, if you can't play that, you're not going to be able to do a whole lot. But you have to be able to teach it and get guys to buy into it to do their job. And over and over again, you, you saw guys bust. And, you know, what, what, what I protest is when I see people who see busts and they're like, well, must be too tough. I mean, they must be asking these guys to do too much. Or they must be asking these guys to, you know, it, it must be too complicated for the players. I'm going, no, it's not too complicated for the players. When you got 80 programs out there running the same coverage and the same defense on that front, and, you know, two of them are having guys that are busting and doing all this stuff. That's not the, it's not the scheme that's too difficult, right? The scheme is not the, the problem. It's getting the, it's implementing the scheme. It's teaching the scheme. It's getting guys to buy into the scheme. Absolutely. So that's still on coaching. And, and you know, that's one of the things that, I, that it, it, you know, I've got certain pet peeves and one of my biggest pet peeves covering football is anytime you say, well, it's not the scheme, people say, oh, so you're just blaming the players then, huh? Like that, that's, one of, that's one of my, my most frustrating things is, is that. Because it's not Madden, right? We're not playing a video game here where you call the play and then the players just do whatever you tell them to do on the, you know, on the screen. The coaching the scheme part of coaching is, is actually a pretty small part of coaching, right? 
mean, maybe, what, 10, 15%? Maybe. And defensively, it might be less than that because it's buy-in first, right? You got to sell these guys on doing what you're, what you're asking them to do. That's, that's like half. And then in terms of what you're spending your time doing, it's teaching those players, okay, when, you know, when, if this, then that. And then getting them to rep that so many times that they're no longer thinking if this, then that they just see it and do it and getting them to do that with technique, with the proper technique. And so you rep that over and over again, and then you put it all together and you try to get all these things coordinated. That's what coaching is. It's giving those guys the ability to do that. And that's not about, the scheme part. It's not, and, and, and it's, and normally when you see players who are not executing what they're asked to do, it's not because it's too complicated. It's because it hasn't been taught as well. And it, oftentimes it's because, it, you know, in terms of the coordination aspect of things, coordination involves get making sure that each position coach who is teaching his individual segment, because you got to remember, Linebackers are not being taught by the defensive coordinator day in, day out when the defensive coordinator is typically with another group. Defensive line is not with the linebackers most of the most of practice, right? You're looking at different groups or coach. Each of them is being told by their specific coach, here's what you should be doing. So when you hear Rip Liz, the defensive line, they don't know what's going on behind them, <laughs> right? They just know this is your job. And you have to find a way to, to put all that together to coordinate each of the units so that they're doing their job in, in that context. That's, that's, that's the coaching part. So, you know, what Carolina was doing the last couple of years, I know that the, 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 the sales pitch initially for Bateman was he's going to bring in a, you know, cutting edge, scheme where you know you're going to play positionless football and it's going to be you know all sorts of stuff that you, you know you haven't seen exotic stuff and then when it came down to it because they didn't have the players to be able to run some of the stuff that he wanted to run ultimately what they were this year was a base odd front that ran a lot of ripless they boiled down to something really simple and every so often you'd see, you know, if they got them in, got a team into long yardage, you'd see like, you know, some exotic blitz package, which they usually did reasonably okay. But that's basically the only time you'd see something outside of the, the mainstream of like, this is something that every team runs. Same thing's going to be true with, with Chiswick. Chiswick is going to run a simple scheme just like Jay Bateman did. It's going to be a different scheme. And this is something that, you know, Mike Ingersoll and I were talking about. Both of us thought, <clears throat> excuse me, both of us thought that one of the criteria that we would have looked at in making this hire would, would have been to hire someone who ran a similar front to what Bateman did and to what they've been recruiting toward. That's not the case. You're going to see more even front stuff from Chiswick. Now, my hope is that, you know, he'll still hybridize some of that and that you'll still see some, some, odd front stuff and, you know, make sure that you drop an end once in a while, that sort of thing, because in today's game, you, you need to do that. I mean, Chizik has said that too. I mean, he's, he's been on the record that in today's game, you need to do at least some odd front stuff just to be able to handle the kinds of offenses that you're going to face. 
So as long as he does that, you know, okay. But base, he's going to be four guys on the line of scrimmage, which, I mean, Carolina in an even front scheme this year was still four guys on the line of scrimmage a lot. You know, one or two of them was standing, but that, that's irrelevant. doesn't make a difference. Uh, Two-point versus three-point stance really doesn't make a difference on the edge all that much. Um, so, you know, you're going to get basically that. It's just going to be about where certain guys line up. And like you said, Buck, today's defense – rare to run four three because you're not going to play a whole lot of teams that that are going to be in you know two back and a tight end package so you're going to expect a four two five the one thing that is interest that will be interesting to me is personnel wise i would not be surprised if they ran a four three based on where guys technically what their positions are right now with chiswick because i think Chiswick's scheme is going to probably, if not require, uh, it'll probably lean towards moving Ra Ra Dilworth to this what what is the Sam backer or the nickelback. So Ra Ra becomes, you know, that third guy who is a nickel slash linebacker in the base scheme. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that. Uh, but aside from that, you're looking at middle of the field open coverages or what. Chiswick has typically done that's cover two, cover four, mostly cover two in the past. Uh, but again, with personnel, is he going to do, is he going to be more aggressive and play more cover four to be able to handle some of the, uh, uh, the kinds of spread offenses and so on that'll be on the schedule. But that's what he's done is he's played a lot of traditionally, he's played a lot of cover two where the safeties are going to take half the field. Uh, you're going to drop that middle linebacker down the middle of the field a good bit, playing Tampa too, which uh, you know allows that middle linebacker to cover some of that middle of the field in intermediate area. But basically, he's going to force completions in front of those safeties more often than not. That's what he's traditionally done. I would bet on that being the case. And like I said, I would bet today if I you know had to if I had to make the bet, I'd bet on Ra Ra Dilworth moving to moving to nickel. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how this all goes, but those are the things that I would expect scheme wise. And like I said, it's going to be simple, just like what they ran before. It's just going to be different. Buck, close us out here and, and mentioning Rara at the nickel it, one of my favorite non Carolina football players was always Xavier Adibi from Virginia Tech back in the day when Virginia Tech could play number 11. Um, seems like every football team has a number 11, at least one number 11. That's a stud. But a DB would be all over the field. Go watch some of those games in Keenan Stadium that they managed to beat Carolina. A DB was around the ball constantly. But, Buck, wrap us up. Your overall thoughts here on Warren and Chiswick hire. We, just so people that are listening will know the schedule, Buck mentioned Shaq Rashad. Uh, he and Taylor Vipolis will get together, do a podcast for this week, early this week. Um, we'll have Coast to Coast, the basketball podcast tomorrow. Vip and Rashad at some point, either Tuesday or Wednesday. Vip and Justin Jackson on the basketball side, either Tuesday or Wednesday. And then this crew will get together on a roundtable because who knows what we'll have to talk about by the time Thursday rolls around. Um, like I said, there is no offseason, certainly not with Inside Carolina and the podcast. But, Buck, um, let's, let's close this one out. Just your take. I mean, it's been one hell of a whirlwind. 
we were on the Inside Carolina Live show yesterday morning, and it kind of broke out that Chiswick was going to be the guy right at the end of our show at noon. Then I'm at the Carolina-Virginia game, madly texting with Ben, trying to organize this podcast and get all this stuff on. I mean, it really is a never-ending thing for North Carolina football, but as a guy that's followed it forever and um, has some vested, vested interest in the product they put on the field, how are you feeling this morning? Well, you know, un unlike uh, Jason, I, st I do definitely feel like it's an upgrade um, over what North Carolina had, um, or at least what the production on the field. Uh, it'll be an upgrade over what we've seen statistically and defensively. Um, and Jason's right in some ways in the sense that what you're going to get out of Gene Chizik is Gene Chizik. I mean, that's who he is. He's, uh, he's a guy who is never going to be in zero coverage and blitz somebody that ain't going to happen. You know, uh, he's always going to have at least one deep, uh, safety, uh, whenever he blitzes and blitzes aren't going to be the, uh, the norm, there'll be the exception instead of, uh, blitzing all the time, which nobody blitzes all the time anyway, or a few people do. So, you know, what we're going to get, get to see is a lot of what we've seen before from Gene Chizik, but all the things we talked about in terms of how it could look different on the field are valid, uh, different level of talent, uh, more depth. He can keep his defense fresher. Um, there, these are things that, um, and, and plus like the defensive line, uh, and really across the defense, the level of player on the field is going to be different than what he saw in 2015. Although there were some good players around in those days. Uh, MJ Stewart playing today in the NFL. Uh, for Cleveland and playing pretty well. Uh, I always liked Des Lawrence as a player. Um, Malik Simmons, uh, Donnie Miles, uh, Naz Jones. Uh, um, you know, there, there was a player, Cole Holcomb played in 2016 and uh, led at UNC in tackles. Uh, probably the most underappreciated and underrated player in UNC football history. Uh, now getting a big fat paycheck from the Washington football team. So, I mean, there are some players around in those days, but they're not of the same caliber. Generally speaking is what he's going to, uh, have access to in 2022. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. I mean, he's definitely, I mean, this is, he, he produced a, uh, a workbook playbook, whatever in 2002, uh, that you can, you can find on the, on the web called football the site is called football x's and o's you can find this playbook uh from those days and one of his teaching points is make the offense drive the ball the length of the field and 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 that's not going to change under under chiswick i mean he's been doing that for 20 years now which is if you're going to score on me you're going to have to be perfect at like you know, five, six yards at a time or less, if I can get away with it. 
Uh, he's not going to give you anything deep if he can help it, uh, particularly late in the game, which is why I say they wouldn't have lost the NC State game if Chiswick had been there. He'd had a, 10 guys on the defense, you know, in the secondary. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> definitely a no big plays, no big plays approach. I mean, it's back, it's, it's a back to front approach of, of saying we are not going to get beat over the top. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to get beat over the top. Uh, you're going to have to drive the ball length of the field. Good luck keeping your offensive lineman from jumping offside or false start, um, holding calls, you know, any little thing that sets you behind schedule, then we're going to double down. So, uh, but, you know, I think in uh, the difference is in uh, like this between his philosophy and UNC's philosophy this year is they didn't really know who they were. Um, you know, against uh, South Carolina, their whole focus was we're going to stop the run. The whole bowl practice uh, time period they had, they got 301 yards on the ground against a team that's not that good running the ball. Um, but that wasn't the only thing. They gave two, gave up 250 or so in the passing game, which is it's not going there. He's going, he might give you one or the other, but he's not giving you both. Um, and he did that against every team he played. I mean, it didn't matter if it was Duke or Stanford or, uh, you know, Baylor or, uh, Clemson, he was still going to say, okay, not giving you much in the throwing game. It's going, you're going to be throwing the ball into a bucket of minutes back there. I'm going to have plenty of guys in lanes. Um, I'm going to have plenty of defenders back there. You might run the ball for five or six every carry, but you, you're not throwing it for, you know, 30, 40 yards. Um, so, and they gave up 188. Think of how crazy that is. They gave up 188 yards per game in the air in 2015. Um, coming off a season where they gave up like 300 uh, the year before. So, you know, he, he, he's, just, he's, he's got his ways and his methods, and there's going to be times when I'm going to chime in with other people saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of watching this. I don't, it just hurts the eyes sometimes. Um, but, uh, he's got his ways and he cut, uh, the scoring defense from 39 points a game in 2014 down to 24. That's two touchdowns a game. And in a year where offensively, they may not be as powerful, um, as they've been the last three years with Sam Howell might be a good thing to have a defense that gives up two less touchdowns a game. If you can get away with, if you can, if you can put that on the field. So. Yeah. And uh, it's a good, it's a good, let me, let me finish out this thought, Jason, and I'll hand it over to you. Um, I think that, um, this is a good, uh, combination for UNC at this particular time. You're, uh, entering into a time period where you've got some really talented players that are growing up. Uh, some of the best defensive players are now in their third year, some in the second year. And um, a, a guy that's going to benefit from all that talent is Chiswick. So um, that's, that's my final thought there. And uh, Jason, take it away. 
close us out. You know, the other thing I was just going to say is that, that he pairs that that focus on making sure you don't get beat deep in the back end and not giving up big plays. The one, the one thing that we're going to see, and I think you know, Carolina fans will be excited about, is it that he plays a one gap scheme that turns the defensive line loose a little bit more than what you saw uh, under, under Bateman. So, you know, Bateman uh, wanted to to play more of a, uh, you know, you're, you're typically going to have at least one guy playing two gaps where he's going to be taking the, taking on the offensive lineman more straight on and handling that. And so there's a little bit more uh, emphasis on size and trying to be able to, to, uh, comp- to force teams to run outside because, you know, you're, you're stacking things up on the inside with, with, with bulk with Chizik, he's going to, you know, want guys, want his defensive line getting upfield uh, into gaps faster uh, and then letting, you know, backers kind of trigger downhill a little faster. So that's going to be something that uh, that will be more of an emphasis in trying to get uh, get pressure, compress in the pocket and all of that with, the, you know, typically the same four rushers that are that are lined up on the line of scrimmage are going to be the guys that rush every time and they're going to have the gap that's in front of them pretty close to every time. So, you know, there's pluses and minuses to that, but that's, that's what he's traditionally done. Uh, so, you know, you, you, that's going to be an interesting thing to see with some of the guys that they have on the roster, you know, how, how that fits up front. And it'll be interesting to see where a couple guys end up getting lined up, you know, given some of the talent and some of the, the, the uh, uh, where that depth lies with some of the size, but, uh, but that's the other thing that that I think we'll see from from Chiswick is is a clear one gap scheme. You know, these guys are going to be, you know, here here's your gap, get upfield and try to get some penetration in that gap without getting out of control. There's your job, uh, as opposed to here's the guy that you're lined up across from, kick his butt and make sure that you know you're you're compressing the pocket, that sort of thing. It's a little bit different, but that's. That's the other thing. So, uh, you know, like I said, I, kn- I know that there's going to be some Carolina fans who are going to be really excited to see one gap football where you see guys getting off the line of scrimmage a little different. So. Yeah, it is. Uh, some people going to be happy. Some people not going to be happy. Bottom line is, can this team be better than it has been the last couple of years this year in particularly better be. Yeah, it, it better be, or uh, we'll be talking about a lot more changes than a few defensive coaches. Um, that's going to wrap it for today. It's, it's been a special day after podcast. Charlton Warren, Gene Chiswick, back in Carolina. It's almost like, um, you know, we just rewind the tape from a few years ago, and here we are. Uh, Buck Sanders always on point. Jason Staples always bringing the knowledge. I'm just the host, Tommy Ashley, trying to hold it all together. Johnny T-shirts, the sponsor. Look after them. Premium subscribers mm. on Inside Carolina. Take care of them. Get your 10% off your order. But most importantly, shop local. Shop Johnny T-shirt and those guys. A lot of content coming this week. Uh, today's just Sunday. So you're going to have five full days of a ton of contact content on InsideCarolina.com. Greg Barnes will be with us at some point. Greg is always spinning the hamster wheel, kicking out knowledge and news for inside Carolina folks, Jason Buck. I always appreciate it. My friends. Thanks. Appreciate it. It's the NFL off season, but I'll pick six part of the CBS sports podcast network. The football season never stops. 
Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. 